This is Metal Chris of DCHeavyMetal.com, and today I've got Jeffrey Dunn, better known as Montas, on the phone with me. Montas is one of the founding members of Venom, but he's also playing guitar in Venom Inc. right now, who just released their debut album, Ave, in August on Nuclear Blast Records. Venom Inc. is currently in the middle of the Bloodstained Earth North American tour with support from Goat Horror, Toxic Holocaust, and The Convalescence. The final date of that tour will be at the Baltimore Soundstage on October 2nd. So to start things off here, Montas, what can fans expect from the Venom Inc. live performance? I suppose what you've always expected from us, it's going to be loud, it's going to be fast, it's going to be chaotic. Everything you want from a Venom Inc. show, I suppose. Plus the fact we're including some of the new songs off the new album. And so far, everything's going really well. We've had, I think it was three sold-out shows so far. The rest have been absolutely packed, just below sold-out. First show in Philly, oh, it was incredible. They actually oversold that show and they opened the side doors of the venue so the people in the street could watch the gig as well. <laughs> it's, it's just got crazier and crazier as we've been going on, so... It's going really, really well so far. I'm very, very pleased with it. That's cool. The Venom albums, Prime Evil, Temples of Ice, and The Wasteland had very similar lineup to the lineup that Venom Inc. does right now. That era of Venom also consisted of Demolition Man and Abaddon, as well as yourself. Do you consider Venom Inc. sort of a continuation of that era of Venom? Personally, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are saying, obviously, that it is, because it's essentially the same lineup. But I just think that we've got a good, strong, legitimate lineup here. Like I said, personally, I don't look at it as a continuation. I think it might get a different answer from the other guys, because we hadn't been together for so long. But obviously, when we did come together, which was purely by accident, and none of this was planned, we did not plan to continue this long. It was going to be a one-off show in Germany. There was certainly no plans for an album. Everything's just been fan-driven, promoter-driven. And it was only in the later stages that John Cezula came in as management as well. And he was the one that said, one great album could change everything for you guys. And really, we'd never thought about that. But yeah, I've had a few people saying it's good to see the primeval lineup back together again. And I suppose, yeah, it is. But I don't know if I'm looking at it as a continuation because it was such a huge gap. It's taken us a long time to come together again. But it's rolling and... To quote a cliche, we've all just strapped ourselves into the roller coaster and we're seeing where it takes us now. So far, so good. Do you still talk to Al Barnes at all? Do you think there's any chance that he could end up joining Venom Inc. to complete that primeval era lineup? Oh, uh, no, no. Al's all settled down with the family and everything now. Got a really good job. I think he still does some sort of little acoustic gigs and things just by himself, but I don't think we could drag Al out. Maybe a one-off if we're in London or something like that and he jumps up and plays one of the primeval songs with us. But as a permanent member, I don't think so, no. So do you see Venom Inc. stand as a three-piece for the foreseeable future then? Oh, definitely. Yes. Absolutely. It's working great. And you know, you old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. No, we continue the way we are. It's good. In April of 2012, I saw you perform with Empire of Evil at the U Street Music Hall in Washington, D.C., along with Onslaught on that tour. You guys put on a great live show with lots of energy. Empire of Evil played a mix of old Venom songs as well as new material. Do you guys play any of those Empire of Evil original songs still, or is that something you've kind of moved on from and you just stick to the Venom and the Venom Inc. stuff now? Yeah, we just stick with the Venom and the Venom Inc. stuff. We have thought about that, but we thought, no, Empire is a completely separate entity for us. There is a new Empire album ready. It's ready to go. It just needs basically vocals putting on. I think in January, Tony's coming over to my studio and we're going to finish the album off. It's been sitting there in the can for a couple of years now. It would have been out and done by now if it hadn't been for the Venom Inc. So 
We sort of half put Empire on hold, but it's definitely not over. We still plan. We had a great time doing that band, so that's something that we want to continue. But at the moment, it's difficult to do anything else, to be perfectly honest, because of the live work that we're doing. Even recording Ave, we had to take time away from live shows to get the recording done because the deadline was tight. But now that we've started touring again, I mean, we're going to be on the road forever, I think. There's offers coming in all the time. Um, when we get back, I think we get back on October the 6th. We've got about a week or so off, and then it's European festivals. Then the first week of November, we have a UK tour, which spreads into a European tour. And that won't see us home until December 18th. And then February, we're into Japan and Australia and possibly back to America in March. That's the plan, if John Suzula had anyway. But the Japanese shows are definite. So everything is just forging ahead. There's going to be no time for anything. Even fitting another Venom Inc. album, it's going to be difficult. We'll have to take time away from touring again. One thing I've been curious about is the lineup of Venom Inc. is very similar to Empire of Evil. Of course, the main difference I think everyone knows is that Abaddon is now on drums with you guys. So how did he end up connecting with you again and joining Venom Inc.? It all came about when Tony Dolan did an Atomcraft show in Newcastle, our hometown. And it was a sort of northeast festival called Brawfest, which is a sort of old school new wave of British heavy metal festival. So he was asked to do an Atomcraft set. And at that particular point, I was still living in Newcastle. So he said to me, do you fancy jumping up for a couple of songs? So he came to Newcastle. We went out to rehearsals. I went through a couple of the Atomcraft songs. Then I joined them on stage. And there was a Canadian band, I believe, called Cauldron, who do Die Hard in their set. And they asked me to jump up and do Die Hard with them, so I did that. And now the promoter from the Keep It True Festival, Oliver Weisenhammer, he was at that festival, and so was Abaddon. And he spoke to Abaddon and said, I'm surprised that you didn't get up with those guys. Well, to be brutally honest, at that point, myself and Abaddon, and Tony Dolan and Abaddon, we hadn't spoke since 1998, after the big split in Venom. Tony received a call from Oliver and said, look, I'd like the book Empire of Evil for Keep It True. It was at that point that Tony says, Oliver's asked if Abaddon was there, would you consider doing a few Venom songs? And I have to admit, at that point, I said no. It was going to be a no-go for me. But we spoke again and sort of said, look, it's only going to be sort of five songs, maybe six. And it's just for the fans. And we do the songs and then that's it. It's going to be a one-off. So we all agreed to do it. We flew into Germany, we had no rehearsals whatsoever, we just swapped the songs and rehearsed them at home. Went on stage, did the set, the reaction was incredible, and then Tony's phone was ringing off the hook the next day from promoters and agents that we had worked with. And the next thing we knew, we were booked for China and Japan, then we got the call for a heavy Montreal festival, and then it was a European tour and an American tour, and like I say, none of it was planned. We had to speak again and say, look, are we going to do this? Does it got life beyond what we just planned to do? So we all said, okay, then let's just get on the bus and see what happens. And to me, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're just getting on the bus and see what happens. And now that we've got management in place, obviously we've got guidance, but up until that point, there was nothing. You know, we're just doing it by ourselves. So it was all fan-driven, and it's totally exceeded my expectations altogether, including the album. It's overwhelming, to be perfectly honest, to think that we're in such demand. This tour that we're doing now, which is our third tour of GBA in America, I mean, at the end of this tour, that will see sort of 90 shows in America within, I think, a year, 18 months, something like that. Um, So we're just working hard, and whatever offers come in, we look at them, and nine times out of ten, we say yes. But like I say, totally unexpected.
we've got to thank the fans for that. It's great. One thing that's been a bit of a point of debate among fans is Venom's genre classification. Obviously, you guys coined the term black metal, but I've also heard you guys called by various people as speed metal, thrash metal, new wave of British heavy metal, all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. So what kind of subgenre of metal do you consider the music you play to be? Oh, do you know, obviously we gave the name to black metal. If you want to say we created it, we did. We had an album called Black Metal. We had a song called Black Metal. And what followed on after that was exactly the same as what we did to our heroes. Bands were looking at us and thinking we can take it a stage further. So black metal has evolved into what it is today. Without evolution, you become extinct. That's one thing I'm quite proud of, is to think that black metal is still around today and it's very, very strong. Classification-wise, do you know what it is? I think there's too many genres and subgenres around these days. Let's get back under the flag of heavy metal. Me, personally, I look at ourselves as just a heavy metal rock and roll band. That's all I see us as. It's all about the music for me. I'm not bothered about the genres or the subgenres, whatever people call us. I'm in a heavy metal band. It's as simple as that. That's a cool way to look at that. There's been a few metal bands with multiple incarnations recently, like Entombed, Gorgoroth, and Queensryche, for example. Most of those bands seem to be tied up in lawsuits fighting over bands' names. That doesn't seem to be the case with you guys. Are you still amicable enough with Kronos? Is that something you're not worried about? No, no, I'll stop you on your tracks right there. There's absolutely no contact with that guy whatsoever. The bridges are firmly burnt. Yes, we did receive a couple of lawyers' letters at the beginning, and I responded to both of them, and we haven't heard anything since. The thing is that I'm the founder member of Venom. Abaddon designed and hand-drew the original Venom logo, and Kronos was the last person to join by invitation. Uh, it was my invitation. And when he went out as Venom in 2005, I think it was, when he started Venom, it was at that point that Kronos had called me regarding the license of an album. And I just didn't care. And my head was firmly embroiled in family. Everything was about my mother at that point. She had cancer, and essentially she was dying, and she passed away in December of that year. And it was during the course of the conversation he asked me if I was okay with him continuing the Venom name, and at that point I said, I don't give a shit. I really don't care what happens with the Venom name. I wasn't thinking about bands or anything. However, he did not ask Abaddon, and he said, well, if he had asked me, I would have said no immediately. It just needs to be buried. So that's why I think it's the fans and the promoters and the industry who are turning around now and saying that we are the real Venom. We've never once said that, unlike Kronos, who's trying to stamp that point. I really don't care about that. He can go out there and do what he wants to do with these two high-ed guns, and we'll go out and do what we do. And, I mean, Tony Dolan said, is it no better that you can go and see this guy and then he can come and see us? He just plays big festivals. We go into the smaller venues and we're right in your face. So I don't think there's any confusion anymore, let's put it that way. People know who he is and what he does, and people know who we are and what we do. And that's fine by me. And that's as far as it goes, as far as I'm concerned. Well, for what it's worth, I've seen you at least with Empire of Evil, and I thought you guys were fantastic live. I'm really excited to see you as Venom Inc. If it's anything like the show I saw in D.C. about five years ago, it should be really exciting. I'm looking forward to the one coming up here in Baltimore on October 2nd. Oh, don't worry. We will deliver. We will deliver. Venom has been a huge influence on countless other metal bands over the years. However, I would like to know what your biggest influences are as a musician. Well, the thing that changed my life was 1979, May the 28th, and it was Newcastle City Hall, and it was Judas Priest on the Killing Machine Tour. My musical growing up occurred during the 70s. So 
so I came up through Slade and T-Rex and the Sweet, you know, the sort of glam rock era that was going on in England. And for me, it was always something which was guitar-driven. There was guitars in the band. I was fascinated by that as a kid. The first seven-inch single that I ever bought with my own allowance money was Seven Seas of Rye by Queen, which I suppose was the first sort of dip in the toe into heavy rock. And then I remember being in a department store with my mum and uh, discovered Kiss. I've seen the Alive album, and I was absolutely fascinated by these guys on the front, but I couldn't afford it at the time. So there was a beaten up old copy of Hotter Than Hell behind it, so I bought that. I've been a Kiss fan ever since. Well, you know, early Kiss, obviously. But then the guy that I started the band with, we met at a Taekwondo club. We were training together, and he had a guitar. He had a love of metal. He was a little bit older than me. So he was sort of into Deep Purple and stuff like that. So I discovered Purple through him, and then we used to go to concerts all the time. Uh, first concert I ever seen was Blue Oyster Cult. I was around 77, I think. We went through everything. We seen Rory Gallagher live. Like I say, anybody who had a guitar. But seeing Judas Priest, and I just remember being in the audience and looking at stage left as I'm in the audience, and KK down and runs on, and fucking, that was it. I just thought to myself, this is what I want to do. He just became like a distant mentor, if you like. I was fascinated by his playing. He looked the epitome of a heavy metal guitarist. It was just all that kind of stuff. We discovered other people. If someone said to me, you can only listen to one guitarist for the rest of your life, it would be Gary Moore. A huge, huge Gary Moore fan. I discovered Frank Marino on the Mahogany Rush album, Mahogany Rush Live. He's a phenomenal guitarist. And my other favorite guitarist is Zach Wilde. So they're all sort of blues-based guitarists that I like. Because I say I'm pretty old school when it comes to stuff like that. I'm not too much into the neoclassical shredders and all that kind of stuff. I've said many times in interviews now that I've got no desire to be looked upon as a virtuoso guitarist. When I'm on stage, I see myself more of an entertainer interacting with the crowd than some guy who stands there and plays at a million miles an hour. But if someone was to offer me the one of two gifts, one would be to be the greatest guitarist in the world I've ever seen, or to be the greatest songwriter in the world I've ever seen. I would choose a songwriter every single time. But yeah, influences was always Kiss, you know, Judas Priest, Motorhead. You know, when I first heard Motorhead, I was blown away by them as well. And I just used to search out anything I possibly could. So anything that was up and coming, anything that was going around, the new wave of British heavy metal was around then, obviously, at the time. My favourite new wave of British heavy metal band was Samson. Again, a sort of more bluesy type of band. But yeah, it was anything guitar-driven. I was just fascinated by it, and I'd sort of made that decision and just gave it no option but to happen, I suppose. So here we are, now it's not over yet. Are there any bands around, like newer bands today, that you're a big fan of? I must admit, I love Machine Head. I really do like Machine Head. You know, when you're seeing newer bands, Machine Head's hardly a newer band. And I still like the Metallica Boys as well. I still like that stuff. But again, they've got a few years under their belt. Everybody has. I think metal went through a phase where it all started sounding the same, to be perfectly honest, like the production side of it and all that kind of stuff. Like I say, I'm pretty old school. If I'm going to put something on at home, it's still going to be a Priest album or an early Kiss album or Gary Moore or something like that. I do like Demo Borgia. But I've never really explored a lot of the newer bands. The time that I hear a lot of it is when we're on tour. And I have heard some good bands. Total are really good that we're out with now. But there's an Australian flash band called Desecrator. Everybody should check them out. They're really good. And an English flash band called 
we've been out with both of those bands, and they're excellent. So check those two bands out. Yeah, I definitely will. Do you have any favorite song to play from your whole history of oh, you know, songs you've played? Um, <laughs> do you know what it is? It's difficult to choose. I mean, I still love playing Countess Battery. I still love playing Witch and Hour, Black Metal, Live Like an Angel, Die Hard, Don't Burn the Witch. I don't think I've got a particular favorite to play. They're all just great fun to play, and to see the audience reaction is phenomenal. It's not a case of getting bored with those songs, because some of those songs are like 35, 36 years old. I'll never get bored with them. They're just a joy to play. I mean, who knew that people would be calling them classics these days? I was just a kid from Newcastle who wrote some songs and people dig them. That's an element of it. But the thing that surprises me is when I meet fans and they tell me that the effect that these songs have had on our lives, it's, it's overwhelming, it's crazy. Sometimes I can't take it in because naturally I'm quite shy and I just stay in the background. On stage is a release for me, you go to meet the fans afterwards, you know, telling me all this thing, you know, all I've got to say is thank you, and it comes from the bottom of my heart, it's, it's a big thank you, because without those guys, we wouldn't exist. No, I still enjoy playing all the songs, all the old songs. That's about it with my questions here. I wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your day to talk with me no and problem. answer some questions here. It's been really cool getting the chance to talk to one of the true legends of underground heavy metal. And again, I'm very excited to see you guys play at the Baltimore Soundstage on October 2nd. I know when I saw you with Empire of Evil, one of the cool things I thought about your live performance, it's just really cool seeing how much fun you guys are having on stage playing together. That's something you can't really fake. There's a lot of bands... They'll go out there and they'll just go through the motions, but you guys, like the way you interact with the crowd and the energy you're putting out there, it's a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to be at. Yeah, I don't think we could do it any other way because that's who we are. That's genuinely us on stage. We're not play-acting on there. I think that heavy metal fans, they're very knowledgeable. And if they know that you're faking it, they know. And we don't fake it. We go out there and we enjoy every moment on stage. I enjoy all the interaction with the crowd. It's great. Like I say, for me, it's a release. And that's my point to meet the fans, really. But no, we love it. We have such a blast playing together as well. So when you come down to Baltimore, you'll have to introduce yourself so we can have a chat. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> That'd be my honor. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. All right. Well, thanks again for your time. And I uh, can't wait to see you guys in Baltimore. It'll be great. Okay, then, my friend. I'll see you very soon. All right. Take it easy. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Bye.